Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. When our Lord and Master said, repent, he willed that the whole life of the believer be one of repentance. That's the first of the 95 Theses, those things that set off in motion the whole Reformation written by Martin Luther. And we continue to confess the truth, not just what those 95 Theses contained, but what our Lutheran confession of Scripture is all about. And that's what this show is about. We are the show that seeks to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ. And we gather together with a compadre of Christ-confessing Concordians here. Compatriots? Something like that. Compatriots, <laughs> compadre, uh, conglomeration, all sorts of other C words that we could use in there. But let me introduce who is here with me. Uh, first, we have Pastor Merritt Dembski, who is a pastor at Emmanuel in Waterloo, Illinois. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, Layman. Peter Slayton, who's the social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, doing excellent job in the social media realm, uh, putting out great things for our church body and Senate. Thank you for that work. I I like the layman title. That's kind of cool. I just thought I'd throw it in. You needed a title. Mr. Just doesn't do (laughs) it. Layman Slayton? Yeah. Layman Slayton. I don't know if a choir rolls off the tongue. We'll we'll come up with something. (laughs) But uh, we also have Pastor Timothy Apple, who is the pastor at Grace in Smithville, Texas. I believe it's Grace. Is that correct, Pastor Apple? That's correct. Good to be with you this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Also, we are a live call-in show. If you would like to call in, you are certainly welcome to do so. You can call in at 1-800-730-2727. There's other numbers that you can find as well. You can go to kfuo.org and find us there. You can also find us in social media realm. People look at those things and pass along things. They they tend to do it old school, though. They print it out rather than just sharing it electronically with us. So it takes a little bit of time reading. But anyway, enough on all of that. Please uh, call in with your questions today. But getting back to the way I introduced the show when we came in, today we are continuing as we go through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession on this show, uh, which is kind of serving as our way of uh, introducing to you these Lutheran confessions of our faith and also serving as the talking points for us teaching you our Lutheran confession of the faith. And today we're going to be dealing with Article 12 in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which is all about repentance. And as I said, that really was kind of, in one sense, uh, the thing that set off the Reformation uh, for Martin Luther. But let's go ahead and dig into this. I'm just going to go ahead and read here uh, a few things. Um, I want to read the editor's note. We're using using the uh, Concordia Lutheran Confessions available from CPH, which is the reader's edition of the Book of Concord. And this is a very helpful editor's note that's going to kind of set up this article, which is a longer one. It'll go on for a few weeks, but uh, a lot to talk about in here. And so that you kind of get the bird's eye view of what's going on, I'm going to read this editor's note. So it says, the pontifical confutation. We'll talk about what that means here in a second if you're new to the show or haven't encountered that. The pontifical confutation rejected the Lutheran teaching that penance or repentance consists only of contrition and faith. God's law brings about contrition, which is profound realization of one's sins. 
The gospel creates faith, which trusts that God forgives our sins for the sake of Christ by teaching that repentance consists of three things, contrition, confession, and satisfaction. Rome attributes our forgiveness to human works and denies itself the comforting gospel. According to the Roman church, the eternal penalty of sin is forgiven by absolution. But in order to escape temporal punishment, one must make satisfaction for sin, either here on earth or later in purgatory. Roman Catholicism still teaches a system of indulgences, which is traditionally associated with the Roman practice of confession. The sale and corresponding abuses of indulgences caused Luther to post his 95 theses in 1517. Melanchthon carefully demolishes this horrendous error concerning how we are forgiven. Scripture often teaches that the forgiveness of sins arises freely for Christ's sake, that Christ is the victor over sin and death, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15:57. The merit of satisfaction is not to be pat- patched over this. And then it lists uh, several other things in the Book of Concord that we can reference. I guess maybe a helpful way to start this, uh, gentlemen of the panel, the compadre <laughs> of Christ Confessing Concordians, is let's have some identification uh, identification of terms. Uh, first, we have, uh, well, just the word itself, repentance. What do we mean when we say that? Also, we should talk about what the pontifical confutation is and maybe uh, pick up some other things in here. Uh, Pastor Apple, I'm going to throw it to you first. What would you like to define for us first? Well, I'll start, since the introduction starts with the pontifical confutation, we'll, we'll start there. The, the confutation was the, the Roman Catholic response um, to the Augsburg Confession. Um, and as we'll see as we, as we read and, and throughout the, the apology, there are various parts of the of the Augsburg Confession that the Confutation said, that's okay, we agree with, and there are many other spots where the Confutation said, no, uh, we condemn this, uh, we disagree with that, um, including, as we'll see in this particular article, the, the Lutheran Confession, that there are two parts uh, to repentance, contrition, and especially that second part, uh, faith. The Confutation, the Roman Catholic response, is going to, to condemn the Lutherans for saying that faith is the second part of repentance. All right. Thank you for that definition. That is excellent and well said. And uh, indeed, we have to understand kind of the, the broad scope of where this writing comes in. And, and thanks for identifying that pontifical confutation as our, their response to our Augsburg Confession. And this is our response to that. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Dembski, you want to take on repentance? Uh, bonus points if you use any Hebrew or Greek in your definition here. <laughs> oh, boy, man. At least you gave me the easy one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we've got a whole article that we'll be dealing with to define this for us. Yeah, I can I can easily explain this in about 22 pages. Uh, what this not. Um, <laughs> Start reading. Yeah. So uh, with repentance, you've got this idea that there is that, that sorrow for sin, that, uh, that we don't dig into that nitty gritty of, am I scared of what's going to happen to me or do I just feel bad about it? But just the fact that we have sorrow for sin and then the faith that Christ forgives that sin, that there is uh, peace that we have, not that uh, if you, if you uh, hear these words, you're forgiven and then do a couple things, then maybe everything will be okay. But repentance, turning away, doing that actual turn away from uh, from sin versus just, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the, the one Hebrew word that I remember from my, I remember maybe a few others if uh, my Hebrew professor, which I took with Tim Apple, by the way, back in college. Um, but uh, uh, the one Hebrew word I remember is to shuv, or not to shuv, shuv, yeah. which is to turn, right? That's, that, that's even as literally you, what repent means. Even as you turn. said yeah. that, I was sitting there going, as I was yeah. talking, I was thinking like there's a shh 
sound like well, yeah. Yeah. and i didn't want to just say it and sound it's right, tough you know? when i put you on the spot on live radio yeah. yeah i get it i get it no but uh, that that was uh I, I remember very distinctly the first time i heard that repentance wasn't just oh i'm sorry but actually turning and turning and going the other direction from what you were doing um and i i still remember sitting there hearing that being like oh it's not just i'm sorry and i use that with the students at youth group and stuff now that i'll sit there and i'll like push their shoulder and be like i'm so sorry i shouldn't have done that i'm sorry and i'll just keep on doing it and be like is that what repentance is like no i i do it and i stop you know and i turn the other way you know like <laughs> i use a similar thing usually if i can find a cliff or a top of a building or something like that i don't really do this burn <laughs> but uh it, I'll, I'll have them walk towards it right and I come up and, and I yell, repent, 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 right? And what I'm trying to get them to do is to realize the danger of their situation that mm-hmm. is ahead of them. And literally, I want them to turn, all right? And so this is exactly, we're going to talk about all of this. Yeah. This is that contrition of sin, as you said. Uh, you know, I recognize the dangerous situation that I am in going this way. Uh, it places me in the kingdom of Satan, and I will be damned for all eternity if I stay on this path. Uh, death awaits me. Uh, so repent is a recognition of that and a turning away from that and turning towards Christ. Right? Well, and, and uh, too often times, there's times where we'll watch a movie with a little, with kids or something. If they haven't seen the movie before, I'll stop it at like the cliffhanger part and be like, the end. You know? <laughs> and, like, and this is one of those I moments. I do that to my kids too. <laughs> <laughs> like the end. They're like, no, that can't be the end. And that's that's what this whole, this whole article deals with is you've got the church saying, okay, you got to turn, you got to turn. And there's gray stuff too, you know, yeah. like and then, and then the end or, you know? or yeah, like, you know, turn yourself, you know, yeah, turn yourself. <laughs> I'm going this way because I like it, you know. But uh, yeah, well, uh, I was, was going to say the one of the one of the questions I had as we're kind of getting ready here uh, to to go on the air was in the editor's note, which is all we've read so far, is simply the editorial remarks. Uh, they bring up the adversary's definition of repentance, which was contrition, confession, and satisfaction. And as you guys have already said, our definition, the biblical definition, is contrition and faith. So it's interesting. First of all, faith is missing from their definition. But I'm wondering, based on what we've just been talking about, if what the adversaries are doing is they're really focusing on that that turning away portion of it, like you just said, that cliffhanger, mm-hmm. to the exclusion of faith and then they're really just driving that home with uh, the confession. And then let's add the satisfaction on to that as well so we can know really, really for sure that you actually are sorry for your sins because you're willing to work really hard uh, to, to work off the, the uh, punishment. Yeah. Yeah, and I want Pastor Apple to respond to that here in a second, and specifically that line that you you um, pointed out there. And so, Pastor Apple, get your thoughts together. I'm going to put you on here in a second. But before we get to you, um, uh, Mr. Slayton, you you were you came out of an American evangelical background, yeah, uh, if I remember right. Yep, that's how do, I grew up. Do you see this same sort of thing present in in kind of those um, non traditional American evangelical, whatever we want to call them, uh, backgrounds as well? Yeah, they're. It manifests itself differently depending on the the evangelical tradition you come from, but I think the idea of faith is missing to a certain degree, or they'll kind of add the faith in and then add the satisfaction on after the fact and kind of negate the faith. So while there is the emphasis on repentance, acknowledging your sin, turning away from it, there is also that emphasis as part of the repentance of doing better, doing differently and really focusing on 
maybe not satisfaction, but definitely demonstrating that you're serious. That you do have that edge of if you're really, really serious about your repentance, which we kind of put that in the uh, category of pietism, where we often, uh, in our own tradition, it kind of falls into that. Um, you know, judging the sincerity of somebody, you know, somebody's repentance based on what they do. Um, you do see that um, um, quite a bit, although they wouldn't deny necessarily that faith is is a part of this. You know, that that forgiveness does come from Christ, but it's not a major piece of it in the same way that it is for us. Yeah, I like the word that you use there. It demonstrates, you know, it's, I, I would use my language of, you know, it gives me something to see, you know, and I see this uh, with, with American evangelical friends that, you know, if you can't see something, I don't really believe that you have faith. And it kind of makes it yeah. into a law-oriented work in a sense, yeah, there's rather a, there, yeah. than it's just bound to happen. And maybe I don't even see the good works. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, and I, I had these notes for later, but uh-huh. on that topic, I mean, I... I think about the the fact that you see that all the time. It's not articulated that way, but faith is seen as a work. Like, did you did you faith enough in that moment? Oh, you know, like yeah, that sure. kind of thing. And I can tell that you did because you've got those good works. And so it ends up being on yourself. You know, uh, going to big, uh, growing up, going to big big conferences and stuff, and you'd give your life to Jesus every week, and then you'd come down from your high, and you'd be like, oh man, did I did I actually? do the right stuff did i really am i really saved now you know did versus, i repent did yeah. i really repent exactly because my life exactly. doesn't look like i did right exactly. well and, and the irony is is that the way that we define repentance in the augsburg confession is that you know it, it's actually uh, the faith that trusts in jesus that gives comfort to my conscience but when we have this approach to it, a wrong approach uh it actually tends to burden my conscience more and so yeah <laughs> it's helpful to uh, identify what we're talking about all right we've talked over you long enough pastor apple you ready with uh thoughts on uh uh what the uh, Roman definition of repentance is here? Sure, yeah. I, I think that, and, and I, I don't remember exactly the, the question, but, but thinking about those, those three parts that, that the papists have, contrition, confession, and satisfaction, as well as, as some of the stuff that uh, Layman Peter was, was saying about <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the difference between, between those and, and then the, the Lutheran position that it is contrition and faith is that Whereas both uh, the Roman Catholic and American Evangelical would, would put the emphasis on our works, our response, the, the Lutheran position puts the emphasis on the Word of God as the place where these things happen. The contrition is simply our response to, I mean, that's what happens when the law is preached to us. We become contrite. The law works that in us. And then faith happens when the gospel comes, the promise comes, and, and we hear that Christ has died for us. He has forgiven our sins. So that... that the focus, in, I mean, contrition and faith isn't so much about our response as to what God is doing to us and, and in us. Um, and, it, and it does. It stops with that. I mean, you, faith, right? This is where the, the satisfactions in particular um, just, just work such havoc on, on consciences, is that it, it puts, the, puts the focus back on me rather than focusing us on Christ and what he's done and what he's saying to me right now in his word. Very well said. And that brought up a thought for me that uh, I, I have my uh, large catechism here handy with me, of course, because it's oh, in the I book thought of you'd Concord. Pulled out Walther or something. No, no. not Walther oh, today. Man. I'm, I'm going to bring out uh, Walther's guy, Luther. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I think Luther has a really helpful point tagging on to what Pastor Apple was just talking about in his brief exhortation to go to confession. And the previous article to this is talking about confession. And so this is a continuation of the thought as they get into repentance, right? And, and kind of what follows confession 
fashion then, or, or is connected with it, at least. I don't know that I would necessarily always say follows. But in talking about confession, Luther has this to say in his brief exhortation to go to confession. He says, so notice then that confession, as I have often said, consists of two parts. The first is my own work and action when I lament my sin and desire comfort and refreshment for my soul. The other part is a work that God does when he declares me free of my sin through his word placed in the mouth of a man. It is this splendid, noble thing that makes confession so lovely, so comforting. I just love that. This underlined like 12 times in my uh, large catechism, uh, brief exhortation to go to confession. I love the way that it frames it there, and I think that Pastor Apple was just framing it as well. Um, you know, we have this these two works going on, and my work isn't, you know, kind of showing my, my true uh, contrition or anything of that nature. It's just a realization of my situation, uh, which is a dire situation, that I am damned to hell for my sins, right? Uh, that's the contrition. But the other work, this faith, that's the work of God, and that's really the heart and soul of repentance, then, is that it is this work of God. Well, and it's kind of funny, because when you look at the, the confutation, and they talk about the way we're talking about it is how the church has always talked about it and how scripture always talks about it. And then we see in this, uh, this introduction to the, the article that Melanchthon carefully demolishes this horrendous statement. <laughs> I like, love the editorial yeah. remarks there. <laughs> carefully demolishes. And, you know, you go through and as you read, you're like, oh, there's this scripture passage and this passage and this passage. Oh, and there's this church father and this church father and this church father. You know, like, oh, yeah, this is not at all what has been spoken of through, you know, yeah. like it's it just... Yeah, yeah that, that's a, that's a, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession in a nutshell right there, um, which is a very long document, uh, as we experienced uh, uh, not too long ago going through the article and justification for over a year. Uh, but, brick uh, yeah. by brick. Yeah. He carefully demolishes. Oh, wait, wait. We left some mortar on that brick. Let's scrape it off before we set it aside. It's not, yeah. Yeah. It's not perfected yet. Anyway, let's let's go ahead and get into then uh, the, the article itself. And I'm going to read here a little bit. And... Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this, this article on repentance. In Article 12, the adversaries approve of the first part in which we present this. Those who have fallen after baptism may obtain the forgiveness of sins whenever and as often as they are converted. Okay, I, I'm not going <laughs> to go very pause long. Pause right there. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about right there. We, we need to understand what's going on. So, uh, you know, we, we haven't covered the Augsburg Confession on the show uh, for, for a while now. You can go back and listen to the things. But as it's come up here, so, okay, you can fall after baptism and you're converted again. I mean, this sounds perhaps We, we said baptism saves, and now we're saying that you can be not saved after you're baptized. Yeah. What so, have we done? So who wants to handle this uh, this fun topic well, i'm looking at the pastors yeah there's there's silence pastor apple <laughs> well, so i i did look up our, our friend uh francis peeper on this one actually actually um I, I think he's got some some things to say in, in his second volume um christian dogmatics he, he talks at length about about conversion and, and he he makes note of of what he calls continued conversion um, and he says conversion continues throughout the life of the believer. Uh, he, he then quotes from uh, Matthew 18, verse 3, where Jesus is speaking to, to his apostles, and, and he says to them, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of, of heaven. Um, but then he does, he does go on to say that this continued conversion is, is what 
is what we would normally think of in terms of our small catechism as as daily repentance, the the fourth part of holy baptism, um, that that daily contrition and repentance leads the, to the drowning of the old Adam and the raising of the of the new man in, in righteousness and, and purity forever. And and Peter then is very clear to say, uh, he says, note well, however, that Scripture sharp, sharply differentiates between this continued conversion and the initial conversion by which a man becomes a Christian. The continued conversion does not make the Christian, he very clearly states. And, and, and the same, I think, is, is true for what uh, Melanchthon is writing here in, in the Apology. When, when he uses that, you know, it gets translated as converted, and, and we think, um, at least in English, you know, of that initial moment, he's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about this continued conversion. Um, he's just using that same sort of language. Um, but that's, he's not talking about the initial conversion there at all. Yeah, I think I think you brought that in really well there and explained that really well. I love the connection with the small catechism, too. Although I kind of have to ask, I mean, aren't you aware that just a couple shows ago we had disagreed with Peeper on something? I mean, what are you doing bringing Peeper onto the show here? No, I'm just kidding. Well, Pastor we, Fisk wasn't here to bring him up. That's so true, I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, and we did agree with uh, Peeper. We were just discussing, I mean, he has... You know, three volumes at, at at length to write about, and so uh, it's yeah, called no, discernment, he's, Pastor yeah, Smith. No, he's a very yeah. faithful theologian. Yeah. We just prefer Walther and Luther on this show with our Book of Concord, but you know, it's okay. You brought in. I actually Peeper. prefer the Bible. Yeah, that's definitely okay. that's definitely the first place we should go always. <laughs> uh, but no, that that is excellently stated what you said there, and and I'm going to maybe even take it a little step further there, and say you know. Is the question so much, you know, when I was converted, the day or the hour, was it the initial conversion or things? Um, I, I, I'm kind of understanding repentance as maybe more about, am I in the right relation to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right now, today? You know, how, how you know, what what is my relation and, and, and how I'm approaching my condition today. Is that a helpful way of kind of distinguishing this? It's not so much about, you know, that moment of conversion when we say conversion here. Am I as saved much right as, now or am I not? Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. Uh, That's why I'm asking. Is yeah. that the question yeah, we're I dealing with or right. is it it's well, not that serious? What, what I'm posing is not so much am I saved right now or not, but what is my relation to my sure. to my Lord, uh, which I think is, is a matter of trust. I don't know. Pastor Dembski, you want to? Well, I was... I was just thinking, I wonder how much of it has to do with our culture that likes exactness in certain mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. You know, like we like to know exactly when we were saved. We like to know we, we want to have that answer, you know. Give and me so, the definitive answer. Yeah. And, and it is always by grace, through faith, trusting in Christ, you know. And the, uh, like you said, it's that, that question of, well, if I say just immediately relationship, then you get into a whole, it's a relationship, not a religion talk, you know, all that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. And it's like, that's not what we're talking about either. Yeah. You Are know? you saying like, there's baggage yeah. with all theological terms? No, I thought theology happened in a vacuum. I'm pretty sure oh. nothing influenced. Okay. No. He's no. going to work well. He's got yeah. the sarcasm down. This yeah. is great. <laughs> well, I need to be the straight guy here. Okay. So, but but I, I think this is, you know, as Pastor Apple brought in the, the, the small catechism and the connection, wonderful job. Such a good Lutheran Pastor Apple is going to baptism, right? This is exactly how we talk about this daily contrition mm -hmm. and repentance that we live in uh, when we think of baptism. And so when I'm using 
relation to my Lord there. It, it is this, you know, that self-examination that we should practice, not just when it comes to living the baptized life. It all would also come in in the Lord's Supper discussion in mm-hmm. our small catechisms as well. You know, that I should examine myself. Uh, and, and you can start just by going through the Ten Commandments, right? You know, what 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 is my relation to my Lord as far as, um, you know, the, the sins that are would, would separate me from my Lord unless I repent, trust my Savior, that he too has taken this upon the cross. Uh, Pastor Apple, you want to jump in with a response since I responded to your your thoughts uh, with a question? Well, and I think, I mean, as, as you look at, at what we've read so far in, in, here, and in, in it's, you know, what what they're saying, I think the, the point is that, you know, the, the Roman Catholics agree with us that that even after a person is baptized, he, he remains a sinner. And as Lutherans, you know, we talk about this, that we are 100% saint and 100% sinner at the same time. And that that reality continues as long as the sinful flesh clings to us, um, such that we continue to need the forgiveness of sins. We're constantly sinning, and so we're constantly in need of that forgiveness. And thanks be to God, we have a, we have a God who continues to shower that gift upon us. Um, that, that washing in holy baptism does not, does not dry from us, but we continue to come back to it and, and receive it, um, you know, as, as we are continually contrite and as we continue to believe the promise. And that's really where the, the dispute is going to continue, then, is that how does that forgiveness... Rome, Rome understands that we need the forgiveness, but they totally miss the boat when it comes to the way that it comes to us. And that's where the disagreement really happens. Yeah, so so they're they're going to disagree with you know how how that forgiveness plays out. Is that a fair summary yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. We we agree that we need it, but mm-hmm. but how does it come? That's that's where, and I think that's why. I mean, when you think about how long uh, Melanchthon spent with with the article on justification, that's why it happens again here that he he spends time at length because this is the central doctrine of the Christian faith that we're dealing with again. Yeah, it goes right back to justification. Sure. Yeah. With just about a, a minute, do you want to talk about that connection? Well. Actually, I was going to talk about a little bit. Kind of wanted to tie talk together. about whatever you want. I, <laughs> I didn't have anything to say about that, but I had another thought. Um, Ro- Romans twelve is something that comes to mind. You guys can tell me if this is actually a proper application of it. But when we were talking earlier at the beginning of the show about turning around, you know, that the the Hebrew word for repentance involves turning around, and I'm wondering if uh, Romans twelve, specifically verse two, but I'll read one and two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This this renewal of the mind, I'm wondering if that is part of this uh, turn, turning around, if that's what we're talking about in terms of repentance, and specifically looking at it as God's action on us renewing our mind, turning us around. So where where the adversaries are really trying to focus on, we got to get you to do the right stuff. And later on here, you know, they talk about the, the temporal, they turn the punishment into temporal punishment so that they can have their, you know, indulgences and get you to pay for it. Whereas we're really talking about, no, let's focus on God's work in what we're doing here. And that grace, the faith that comes with it, and that's God renewing your mind, turning you around. You now agree that this was sin. You want to turn around and stop doing it. And as we're setting the stage, I guess what I'm trying to do is kind of maybe summarize and set the stage for where we're going here is what this looks like in focusing on what God is doing, renewing our mind, turning us around, walking the other way, agreeing with God that what we're doing is is sinful and 
we want to stop. Yeah, thanks for taking us to Scripture. I think that Paul is definitely talking about this in Romans. We're coming up on a break, so we're going to take a break here and come back and continue this discussion on how Paul is talking about the renewal of our mind, specifically in connection with repentance. You're listening to Concord Matters on Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Jay Ashcroft. Here at the Secretary of State's office, we take the integrity of our elections seriously. Missourians agreed and passed Constitutional Amendment 6. Missouri's new photo ID law is now in effect. Have questions about the new voter ID law or need to register to vote? We're here to help. Visit showittovote.com or call 866-868-3245. Remember, if you're registered to vote, you can vote. Sponsored by the Missouri Secretary of State's office. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. I'm Gary Duncan, the General Manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the Word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news. AM850 in St. Louis, worldwide at KFUO.org. Abigail and John Adams easily qualify as America's first power couple. Abigail Adams was influenced by her father, a congregational minister, but also by her grandfather, a speaker of the Massachusetts Assembly, and became the wife of our second president and the mother of our sixth. There were years of separation for the young couple, resulting in over a thousand letters, Abigail often citing biblical references. On July 14, 1776, in a letter to John referring to the newly written Declaration of Independence, she quoted from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. May the foundations of our new constitution be justice, truth, and righteousness. Like the wise man's house, may it be founded on these rocks, and then neither storms or tempest will overthrow it. The Bible, its influence throughout history. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Welcome back to Concord Matters with our Company of Christ Confessing Concordians. 
Pastor Mayor Dembski, layman Peter Slayton, and Pastor Timothy Apple, uh, along with myself. I don't think I even introduced yeah, myself at the beginning of the show. I am Pastor Sean Smith, the host of Concord Matters. I do that every time I get in front of people. I just dig in, and then I realize at the end I you, didn't actually tell You all tell should know who I am by Who's now. Who's this guy who anyway? just walked in and I mean, took over the radio really, station? I, I, I'm enough. Anyway, so uh, this is a live call-in show. You can call in, ask your questions. Uh, we'll, we promise to take them seriously and yeah. to respond seriously. Uh, as, uh, it we is like, important. We for, like questions. Yeah, from it's listeners. important to grow in in the knowledge of our faith, and, and we will take them seriously. Although we like to have fun on here too. But you can call in at one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. You can also find us at kfuo.org and find out how to get in touch with us there. There are social media things, and thanks in advance to uh, Sarah and all the other people. <laughs> that uh, pass those things along to us. But we are continuing our discussion. Like three inside jokes all in one right there. I, I did. Nice. I had a lot. I worked it's hard a, on it. And it's an easy Google thing, too, because you don't have to ask how to spell KFUO. You can just go straight yeah. to Google. KFUO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now my brain hurts. Okay. All right. Uh, moving back to uh, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which we're going through, the Article on Repentance, Article 12. Um, we were talking just before the break there. Uh, Layman Peter Slayton did something the other pastors didn't do as well and brought in um, didn't the pastors, not the other pastors because he's not a pastor, but the pastors didn't do well and brought in Scripture. He brought in Romans 12 and talked about how St. Paul talks about this this renewal of the mind, and that's a that's maybe a form of repentance. Pastor Dembski, go ahead and respond to that. Uh, I was going to say, so oftentimes when we talk about Christian faith, Christian life, you kind of picture a bar graph, and people talk about, well, you're at this like negative area, and then you start to make this way up, and you're you're going up and up and up, and you're, you're just getting better and better. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. progressing. Yeah, progressing. There we yeah, go. That's... And you're just going up and up and up. And then uh, I remember seeing the a graph that's more what the Christian faith looks like. That's like, you kind of go up a little bit and then you go like straight back down again. And ultimately you're just doing all these, I'm, I'm moving my hand, which I know none of you can see because we're not live <laughs> we're streaming. We're on radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all these, all these cycles back to the cross, going backwards to the cross and looking to where our salvation is rather than looking at, like, if we are looking at our own bar graph, hey, I did this good work. I did this good thing. I did this good thing. We're always looking back to what Christ has done and, being renewed of our mind, looking yeah. at what he has done for I think, us. I think this is connected in with the sanctified life, how we yeah. live the holy life mm-hmm. according to our baptism, right? And so this is the daily contrition repentance thing that we brought up earlier uh, in connection with baptism and the small catechism. Uh, the image that comes to mind was a picture I once saw, a video image uh, on social media um, that uh, had a guy that was going up an escalator. Oh, that's one that came to mind, too. Yeah, and, he, and, he, and he falls, <laughs> and he, like, he slides back down, and it's bumpy and everything. The escalator's and still the, going, the and he's just like still rolling. going and pulling him up and everything, and then he keeps going back down, and, and it's well, like, it's just yeah, the, that's, that's I fell down an escalator for yeah. two hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so but, but it is connected in, I think, that, you know, we're, we're talking about about the sanctified life when we're talking about the repentant life it it is that continual um you know it it sounds almost fatalist that it's like you're never going to truly get that much better right but eventually you do see the holy spirit renewing your mind by the word of god and and pulling you along right in this in this you know more holy life but i i think in, in our break here in the studio uh uh, Peter, you were talking about uh, you know the, kind of the tension of theology as as Luther talks about it, it's kind of like riding on you know, your donkey and uh, um, you can have a tendency to fall, fall off to one side or the other either right? ditch yeah uh, and so uh, you know talk about that when it comes to this repentance yeah re- repentance there there's always a tension where we we 
so the adversaries here, let's, you know, talk about what we're discussing here. They're moving too far in the direction of we got to make sure that you as an individual are doing these works to demonstrate your repentance, that it's all about seeing that visible change in your life um, and making sure that you're working towards it, that you're really sincere. And and so when we talked about there, there is this element of turning around and your life is actually going to look different. And then they take that too far and turn it into the actual thing, as opposed to the other ditch that you can fall into, the other side of the donkey you can fall off of, is this idea that repentance is is all about God, and there will be nothing that actually happens in me that I can look at and say, hey, that's different. Um, and so it's somewhere in the middle, because when you agree with God that what you're doing is sin, you know, that's another way of talking about repentance is agreeing, you know, this contrition, agreeing with God that, yeah, that is sinful. I need to stop doing that. I want to stop doing that. You actually do stop doing it at some point. And that is, that is a reality. So we can't go too far in either direction with this, where we say there's nothing involved for me to do at all. Um, and we're always scared of even how I phrase that because it's like, oh, now we're encroaching on justification. We got to be careful. So we have to protect that. But we can protect that too far by saying, my life isn't going to look different at all. Yeah, I, know, I, repentance I, does nothing. Yeah, this renewing of my mind, you won't actually ever see that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's a helpful way to talk about when Scripture talks about the renewal of the mind, this is the work that the Holy Spirit does yeah. in you. Whereas, as we talked about in the editor's, editor's note, Rome is defining this as contrition, confession, and satisfaction. They're basically telling what the Holy Spirit's job is, but they're not actually even attributing to the Holy Spirit. They're attributing to you. You have to do these specific works. You have to give these alms. You have to say this many Hail Marys. You have to whatever, you know, kind of thing that they dole out. And they still have this system of indulgences and things in place today. And so this is still a situation, as we talked about on the first half of the show as well. We we can also see bits and pieces of this in American evangelicalism as well. But I think we've defined this well enough here and, and need to push on a little further to continue talking about repentance. So continuing on then, I'm, I'm in the middle. one sentence in. But, but I'm in the middle of paragraph it one. It's a long All sentence. Right. <laughs> so... They condemn, continuing on with that long sentence, or that long paragraph, they condemn the second part in which we say that the parts of repentance are contrition and faith. So that's how we identified it. They deny that faith is the second part of repentance. Oh, Charles, most invincible emperor, what should we do? This is the very voice of the gospel. Through faith, we obtain the forgiveness of sins. These writers of the confutation condemn this voice of the gospel. Therefore, we can in no way agree to the confutation. We cannot condemn the voice of the gospel. It is beneficial and full of comfort. What else is the denial that we obtain the forgiveness of sins by faith than contempt for Christ's blood and death? We beg you, O Charles, most unconquerable emperor. Patiently and dil- he's laying it on a little thick there. Sorry, <laughs> the flattery Editorial. is amazing. <laughs> Patiently and diligently hear and examine this most important subject. It contains the chief topic of the gospel, the true knowledge of Christ, and the true worship of God. For all good people will determine that, especially on this subject, we have taught things that are true, godly, beneficial, and necessary for Christ's whole church. All good people will turn will determine from the writings of our theologians that very much. Light has been added to the gospel, and many deadly errors have been corrected. By these errors, through the opinions of the scholastics and canonists, the doctrine of repentance was previously covered up. All right. Uh, so 
what Melanchthon's saying here is this is an issue because it's the very heart and center of the gospel. Pastor Apple, talk about that connection. Yeah, the the sentence that stands out to me is that question that Melanchthon asked there at the very end of paragraph two. What else is the denial that that we obtain the forgiveness of sins by faith than contempt for Christ's blood and death? Um, you know, I mean, the reason that that Melanchthon and the Lutherans speak so highly of faith is because that's what, it's not because it's a work, as we were saying earlier, but it's, it's because that's what receives the gifts of God. Um, the only way that a gift can be received is by faith, by hearing what God says, I, my son died for you, his blood covers your sins, you are mine in holy baptism, I feed you in, in my supper. It's only by receiving that in faith that we receive it. And so to deny that faith is a part of, of what repentance is, this, this matter of, of turning from the sin that we're stuck in and, and turning to God, that to deny that faith is a part of that is to deny that, that Christ actually has done anything worthwhile for us. Um, as, as, Paul would, as Paul would say in, in Galatians 2, you know, if, if salvation can happen by works, then Christ died for nothing. And, and that's what the adversaries are doing by denying that faith is a, a part of this, is that they're saying Christ's death doesn't really mean anything. I can do it on my own. All right, uh, Pastor Dembski's getting ready to jump in here, but I'm going to cut off. Good job in bringing in Scripture. You just saved all the pastors, Pastor Apple. I knew I could count on you. You're a most excellent theologian. Pastor Dembski. <laughs> uh, as we, we talk about this word gospel, I mean, people use the word gospel all the time. We hear the word faith. We hear the name Jesus. And yet, if we don't have it defined of what it actually is, then we don't know what the point of it is. Um, we were talking in one of the breaks about like the, the princess bride. You do not, I do not think it means what you think it means. Yeah, you know, yeah. like some of those kind of phrases that, uh, if we don't know what the gospel actually is, then we can understand why people wouldn't care if we aren't articulating it right. But once you know what the gospel is, that my sins are forgiven on Christ's account and not because of anything I can do, then you know why someone would want to defend it to their death, you know, and want to uh, to speak it rightly. I mean, the, we cannot condemn the voice of the gospel. You know, this is the centerpiece of what the gospel is. Um, if we are not defining our terms, then we lose it all anyway. Uh, we think we're saying the same thing, but if we aren't, I mean, uh, I, I use the example uh, at, at our congregation when I'm talking to our, our youth. Um, I'm about six foot four. Our senior pastor is quite a bit shorter than I am. And uh, I'll say, oh, you all know pastor, right? He's, he's about seven foot, has long red hair, dances around in the halls. And they'll be like, no, that's not him. I'm like, well, it's the same thing when we say, oh, this is the gospel, that you can be saved by just doing enough. It's like, it's the same exact thing. It's a goofy and ridiculous statement because it's not yeah. at all what Scripture teaches, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great example when you're talking about Jesus himself. I mean, this, but this does tie into to repentance, but when you talk about, okay, well, which, which Jesus do you believe in? The, the one that says, you know, that your works save you or the ones that say his works save you, you know? baptism, the Lord's Supper, and that he's the one who creates repentance in you, uh, or the Jesus who says, hey, you gotta, you got to work hard enough to, to earn it, to demonstrate your seriousness. Okay, well, we're clearly talking about two different Jesuses mm -hmm. here, and they're, they're not the same one. we got to make sure we're talking about the same one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think Pastor Peter Ill, uh, one of our other usual guests on here, uh, would, would often talk about um, that what Rome tends to 
do is they nuance things, right? And so they would definitely say, you know, Jesus does save you from your sins, but then they nuance it away, right? And so, it, you know, it, it really does. But wait, there's more. Yeah, it, it does. It does have to. You have to bring it back to then. You know, so so what? Di- what is Jesus for? What did he do? I mean, and for them, they would say, well, you know, he saves you from your sins, but he makes it possible for you. They, they begin to nuance it away. And so, uh, yeah, it becomes a very denial of the gospel uh, that says, I have to contribute something to my salvation as well, which is the Reformation. And, and they still have this in their official doctrines today. And so we're not just talking about empty things. And, and we can see it in, in other places as well. Even at times as Lutherans, we have this temptation because it's a part of our human temptation to want to contribute something of our own, to think mm-hmm. that I have something good to offer, right? And so we, we really have to trust. That is faith. And we, we have to trust Christ really did satisfy all. And, and he alone uh, brings me the gospel. And then how this repentance plays out then is is my work is I recognize where I'm standing and Christ has saved me from that and he will do his work in me flowing forth from that, right? Mm-hmm. I think one thing that I found helpful when we're studying particularly documents like, like the Book of Concord as we're reading um, statements, confessions of faith that were made in a particular context, it's helpful to, to remember what that context was and why why would the adversaries be so adverse to just letting Jesus be Jesus, letting God be God, and allowing this to be a free gift. And if we remember back in the article of justification when we were going through that, I mean, they really, really, really needed it to be grace and works. They just were really hammering that. And now here in the doctrine of repentance, we're seeing that exact same thing start to come through. And remember the context in which it was made. It's it's for the same reason. They have an entire system set up that gives the the priests, the papacy, the church power and influence over individuals because they can make them do what they want them to do. They can get they get their money by telling them how to repent and what to do. The indul- the entire indulgent system and how it was used and abused in that sense. And so, remembering as we're going through this, why do they keep insisting that this is the way it is? And at least one of those answers is. Okay, well, their power and their influence and their wealth depends on their version being true. And that helps at least a little bit in putting it into that context there. The, the bigger question that I think that's been helpful for me is, why are, why are you asking that question? Why is this? Here, here's the answer. Well, what's the question being asked that leads to this answer? And making sure we're actually tying the right question to the right answer and not just pulling this out and saying, hey, we can use this to answer any question about repentance. No, there are specific questions being asked here. Yeah, I think I think you make an excellent point there, and I, and I certainly agree with that. I, I would also connect in here to something I brought up when we were going through the article on justification, that it also comes from a misunderstanding, a mistranslation of Scripture. Because when Jerome sure. translated the Latin Vulgate, where it says repent, he translated it as do penance. And so, in fairness to Rome, in, in some extent, they're also trying to be faithful to Scripture. Sure. Now, they, they need to dig back into their Greek, the yep. original language, and understand what the words actually are. Um, but uh, in some sense, I, I, I want to think well of our brother. Yeah, there, there's always uh, more than one thing. Yeah. I mean, it's never... Yeah, definitely. And, don't and, take my thing as the only answer, but and, that's it's there. And looking at the whole context. Yeah. Right? Because if you've got the one sentence that says, do penance, and then the rest is like, by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe maybe this is not what we think it is. Pastor <laughs> like, yeah. Apple, we keep talking over you. Any thoughts there? No, I, I, I agree. It's all good. I'm I'm in concord with all of you. 
And it's just so refreshing. All right, we're done. I, I, every, every day I say, as long as Pastor Apple and I agree, then <laughs> I know I'm right. It's been a good day. Yeah, because, I mean, I can't, like, I'm just going to, like, gush over Pastor Apple here on Worldwide KFO. No, you don't Because it's just, I mean. I'll, no, but I'll, I will, I'll, I'll say this, you know, in addition to what uh, what Peter was saying about, you know, that, that there's a whole system in place. I mean, as, as to why they would they would defend this as as well as you know, I mean who among us wants to admit when when we're wrong you know I mean th- how how difficult it is to to say yeah I I was wrong you know this is you've shown me from scripture that that this is not true and and I'm going to admit that and and who wants to do that especially when you've got other things uh, bound up in it and and to the point that they've they've lost sight of of what's the command of God and and what's the tradition of, of men, and they've confused those two things, as Jesus um, condemned the Pharisees for in the Gospels. So, so have uh, the the Roman Catholics here that that they've. I mean, in each one of those steps, you know, contrition is a is a good thing. Um, but but Rome has made it more about the contrition that earns something. You know, they've inserted their human work. Confession is a good thing, but they've inserted their own human work by, by talking about this enumeration of sins as a divine right. And, and satisfaction, I mean, not understood in the Roman Catholic way, but the way that the Lutherans understand fruits of repentance, that, that's a good thing. But, but Rome has taken their human works and inserted it there. And each time where they've inserted their own thing, they don't want to admit that that's wrong. And, and who does? Who does? I mean, it's I, I too. I mean, like like you were saying, you know, it's you, you want to feel um, some sympathy for them, um, even even while you clearly say what's true and what's not. So, so what I want to know then is, Pastor Apple, back in college, you were in charge of intramurals once, and you you were refereeing a dodgeball event, and you called me out that the ball hit me, and to this day I assert that ball did not touch me, and you called me out. Are you ready to repent here on live worldwide KFU? Don't do it. And, and admit that you were wrong. Don't justify Pastor Smith. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> I, I, I think... someone, someone once told me, when in doubt, repent. Um, but uh, which I, I think is, you know, I, I'm a sinner, Sean, and and you know, I I don't have as good of a memory as you, I think. So I, I will always remember. I, I remember like <laughs> finding like physics things and citing them to you, and like you, you muted me. These were in the days of instant messenger, and he muted me on like an instant messenger. Like I couldn't even type it. It was oh, it's going to hang with me forever. We're not going to let it go. But well, but, but I think you make an excellent point prayer, though, Sean. Yeah. I, I think something that Pastor Smith and Pastor Apple both said there. Um, I don't know if you said it directly, but I want to, I kind of want to draw it out is that we we do want to be careful that we're not attacking um, the the sincerity of of the adversaries. Or we've we've talked a lot about in this episode um, evangelicals and what they believe in my own background, and we want we want to be careful that we're not assuming that you know for myself as an evangelical i was sincere in thinking that this is what god's word says this is what christianity is and this is how it operates and i wasn't intentionally trying to build this system that actually made it about me i i actually thought that it was about jesus and it was the 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 right thing and i think you know to a large degree the adversaries even if there is that element of defending their way of understanding it, defending their power, their position, all those various things are in there. There is also that element of, no, they they truly, sincerely believe that this is what Scripture says. And as we are having conversations with individuals who are on the other side of, of the issue, I have found it to be very helpful for myself to keep that in mind that 
while while there is a sense in which this might be a, a battle um, in the, in the spiritual sense, that person is actually not my enemy, and I should not treat them as if you know they're intentionally trying to deceive me. Um, that's that's not necessarily the case. Well, and, that, and that is a very frustrating thing about our our rhetoric today in social media and everything else. Automatically, someone is immediately made the enemy. You know, versus yeah. saying. No, this is what I never says. see that happen on Facebook, and I'm there all day. That never happens. <laughs> if I didn't know you better, I would think that, oh, you well, were joking. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and you use an interesting word there, rhetoric, too, which uh-huh. we, we need to understand the yeah. proper meaning of what mm-hmm. that is. Uh, my wife would have a lot to say on that uh, as a former classical Lutheran educator and so forth. But but I, I, I agree here, too. We're, we're using rhetoric, and especially this argument, and it's a helpful place to remind, again, the place of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession as true rhetoric. You know, what we're what we're talking about is a matter of truth. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk with them, yes, it's not my enemy. I'm not going to, you know, talk big and so forth, which is how, especially in American politics today, we tend to understand rhetoric, you know. And so it's, that's not what rhetoric is. Rhetoric is is there is this matter of truth. And, and how do we identify truth? Well, for us as Christians, first and foremost, we need to go to the scriptures. What are they saying? And what has been taught, you know, historically about these things? So we're going to go to the church fathers. We're going to go to how theologians have confessed these truths throughout time. And if we're in disagreement on those sorts of things, then we need to wrestle through those because ultimately Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if truth is always a matter about Jesus, then it's the most loving thing to have these discussions in a loving Christian way. And so in this sense, you know, even though, uh, to, to use an example that I just brought up, you know, even though Pastor Apple and I clearly disagree on the laws of physics and how a dodgeball <laughs> hits you or not, um, we, we can still love each other and, and talk about these in, com- in, in calm, <laughs> professional ways, which I will admit, I will confess my own sins. Back apparently. in college, back in college, I definitely did not, you know, Pastor Apple knows me well. I did not come at it in a calm sense back is then. Is that so why I, you muted him that. now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> is that why he can't even talk? <laughs> But no, uh, Pastor Apple, go ahead and talk about you know what, the the place of the apology in, in this matter of truth. Well, I, I think we like like you're saying we, we we need to understand that that all of the people that we're engaging in conversation are they they are our neighbors and and we are to love them and to understand that that to love them is to give them the truth and and you don't have to be a jerk to to give the, someone the truth. You can tell someone the truth in a kind way, in a way that, that doesn't bite their head off. Um, and, and yet, to, to also speak the truth clearly and, and boldly, because we know that it is the truth that, that will actually accomplish uh, what it intends. If, if we truly believe that, that God's Word does do all the work, which is what this article is, is meant to teach us, among other things, then, then we should speak it um, very clearly and boldly, because because that is what truly will love our neighbor. The, the example that you used earlier, I mean, you don't want someone to walk off of a cliff. Um, so, so telling them the truth that you're walking into, you're about to walk off a cliff, that's the most loving thing that you can do. And there are times, I mean, as, as it is here, where you may need to get a little bit heated. Um, you know, Melanchthon does that plenty of times because of what's at stake. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that that we recognize that we are to love the neighbor by giving them precisely what is true so that they might listen and believe. Yeah, well said. And about with a minute left, I want to give it to Pastor Dembski for some final thoughts here. Yeah, I cut him off with my snarky remark earlier. I feel bad. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, lucky for you. I don't remember what I was saying at the time. Oh, so. But it was good. You <laughs> so no more final thoughts. Uh, let me think here. 
Uh, You're going to take the whole minute with, I'm going to think here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I, thanks for being I can't think of anything else I was going to particular, particularly say. Well, I, in, in response to what Pastor Apple was saying, I, it, it takes me again to St. Paul in Scripture, right, where he says, you know, if I have all knowledge, if I have all truth, if, you know, if I can sing like angels, right, you know, but have not love, then I'm nothing but a noisy gong. And, and I think that that's the temptation that we fall yeah. into, especially in our, in our contemporary setting and so forth, is that we, we become noisy gongs because I'm defending truth, uh, but we're not really doing it in a loving way and, and, and going to the places that we need to have these discussions. First Peter 3, with gentleness and respect, yeah. same thing yeah, there. Same. And I, I did think the one thing that I had thought that I was going to say is that uh, it, it gets tougher and tougher in our culture that says, if you disagree with me, then you hate me. You yeah. know, to automatically try to say, hey, I love you. I care about you. And that's why I'm trying to tell you this. It automatically comes out as I hate you and I really hate you. And <laughs> I'm just going to be mean. You know, it's like, well, I'm not trying to be like you could be trying to be as nice as possible to share that 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 gospel. But we don't like to hear we're wrong. And Absolutely. so it's tough. <laughs> but when we are confronted with truth, especially when it comes from God's word, we should indeed repent because to not have truth, it puts us in a bad camp. It puts us in the place where we are standing against Christ himself. That's what we're worried about here in Article 12 of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession on Repentance is that what is at stake here is the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. That's what we've confessed here today. That's what we'll continue to confess. You've been listening to Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO. Thanks for stopping by, and until next time, keep confessing, church.